This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. I'm Sean Drotar. Sandy Club is on my left. Danny Bailey is in the booth. Our call and text line 303-831-1340. Great news for the Colorado Avalanche. We will start with them because the Avalanche are back at home after a successful, I would say, road trip. They will take on the Washington Capitals and they will do so with some reinforcements that they've been hoping to get for a while. Uh, Arturi Lekkanen, will be back after missing 35 games with an injury suffered against Seattle. And Bowen Byram will be back as well after missing eight of his own. These are enormous uh, additions. And and Lekkanen has been skating for a while. Uh, He told the Denver Post, quote, honestly, I thought I was going to be fine, but I wasn't. It is what it is for sure. It's a scary injury. It was high speed in an accident, crashed into the boards. Uh, up in Seattle, but he also finished and said, it feels good. I'm excited to be back. It's going to be fun. The expectation is Lekkanen will start on a line with Ryan Johansson and Andrew Cogliano. Correct. Uh, and also work on the special teams unit, of which, of course, he is superior at both the power play and the penalty kill. The expectation, Sandy, is that, that Lekkanen will be uh, eased in, and we'll hear a little bit more from Jared Bednar in a moment specifically about that, but uh, let's start with Lekkanen and what he brings to this team that they have been missing over the course of his absence. Play without the puck. Defensive responsibility. Uh, basically an error-free game when you really look seriously at uh, Arturi Lekkanen. Um, yeah, when you look at that's, what... That's what it yeah, I mean, the ability, he kind of played more of a net front power play role in a lot of cases, and uh, Valerian Najushkin picked up for him after the injury, and then, of course, Najushkin uh, now out with the situation where he's looking at uh, the NHL and NHLPA's sort of, uh, I, I don't have the term in front of me, but it's, it's not necessarily, it's not a rehab, it's not, because it can be for a lot of things, but it's an opportunity basically to take care and get yourself right, so Najushkin right. is away for a while. The situation with Lekkanen will be uh, improved, although he's not going to be with that top player power play unit right now. And, of course, it's, it's going I, okay I, as we speak. I, I, I don't think so, but I, I think there's a better chance he'll be with the top power play unit tonight, for example, than with the top penalty, penalty killing kill. unit tonight. And that makes sense because of the physicality that's right. involved in that. Right. You'd like to ease him back I in. don't think you want him blocking shots right away and i I think you do want to limit his time and if he's both killing penalties and on the power play you know that's even if you only want to play him 10 minutes five on five that gets him into that 15 minute area and i don't think they want to go there right now Uh, i think probably the preference would be to ease him into it tonight and on Friday night against the Kings, and then, of course, there's the break for the All-Star game. Yeah, and uh, I'm sorry I spaced the term. The Players Assistance Program is what that's yeah. called with the NHL and right. NHLPA, where, where uh, uh, Nichushkin is catch now. All yeah, term, where Samuel Gerrard was uh, before this year. It's and, a and form of self-care, and what, by yes. the way, we'll be talking about that later with Dr. Rick Perea. Exactly, at yeah. great length. Wellness Wednesdays, as we have those at 5.30, as Sandy and Dr. Rick Perea break down a lot of that. And uh, the opportunity to get Lekkanen back, obviously immense for the avalanche. We talked yesterday a little bit about how important he is. We 
Heard from Nathan McKinnon about how important he is. Well, today, obviously, Jared Bednar had an opportunity to talk about the return of Arturi Lekin, and here's what he said he brings to back to the average. Well, well, it's another, you know, I would say elite checking forward, a guy that can help produce offense. It's going to slide into our top nine and keep slotting guys where they're most able to have success, I think, with the matchups and whatnot. So trusted guy on the defensive side, obviously helps produce a lot on the offensive side. Both special teams, I think, is huge. So, you know, like he does, does a lot for us. Like he's a, almost a 20-minute-the-night guy for us when he's fully healthy and ready to go. We'll ease him in a little bit here until um, his confidence is up and – I'm sure that will take a game or two, and then we hit our break. But coming out of the break, he'll be full steam ahead, and tonight we'll just see how it goes. There's value when you're talking about that those long absences, and 35 games is what Lekkonen missed. That there's value, I think, Sandy, when you have an opportunity to have just a handful of games and then the break. Because Lekkonen's been skating, and he's been skating in full for a few weeks now. And so you don't – when he's physically ready to go and physically cleared – You'd rather not wait another week to get rhythm. You'd like to get a little bit of rhythm, then have the break and get back into it. So I think, even oh, I think they're, they timed it that they're way. easing him in. Yeah, I think that's what they want is, look, get a couple of games under your belt, see how you feel, and then with and the, with home the break off. Yeah, and then we'll see what that might do regarding Bednar and any sort and of line changes. Again, the tangible benefit, there are intangible benefits, obviously, sure. of home ice, home field, home court. The tangible benefit in hockey is you get last change. Right. So they can match him up pretty much any way they wish tonight. And I agree. Uh, he will be and should be on that third line with Johansson, Suttering, and Cagliano on the other wing. And Lekin and Cagliano can play either wing. really doesn't matter. They're right. interchangeable left wing, right wing. doesn't matter. Johansson centers that line, and I think that's a good trio. Um they're going to keep Colton Wood and O'Connor yeah, together as they should. And that will be the second line for the next two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on the pace of uh, Nishushkin's recovery, rehab, whatever you want to call and it. There's and one of the spots where the, the all-star break is beneficial. Right. Absolutely. So that, that's almost uh, 10 days uh, of time that you don't have games and, you know, that's the, if if you're looking at kind of a six week uh, time frame, that cuts it down to a, a little more than a month. Right. And he's what about two weeks in, mm-hmm. almost two weeks in. Right. Now, so they, you're they talking about time where maybe the by, the yeah. the by the end of February. By the end of February, you get him back. Uh, you know, I'm looking at their next ten games. I don't see him playing in any of the ten. Uh, but I look ahead ten games on the schedule, and the tenth game is February 20th here against Vancouver. Uh, maybe at that point, uh, maybe he'd be close, but right around that time at the end of uh, February. And of course, uh, six of the next 10 uh, on the road for the avalanche. So a a nice mix, not heavily uh, tilted toward road or home. Um, Opposition is challenging, but not insurmountable. Um, I, I look at all of these games uh, I'm looking for the first place teams. I guess they've got the Rangers, but the Rangers lost to San Jose last night. That's hard to do. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't overtime, but they wrong. blew a 2-1 lead uh, in the third period. Um, New Jersey, uh, Carolina, not first place teams. Florida, not a first place team, although Florida crushed the Avalanche 
uh, here. I mean, they're pretty good. They've four. got 60 points. And they're they, the best you know, they play Washington the home and home. Uh, they got Tampa. They got Arizona here. Vancouver's the only first place team they've got among the next 10 opponents on the schedule. Kings have been flattening to the point where Rob Blake is getting asked questions about Todd McClellan, his coach. Right. And the Kings got off to a great start, apart oh. from opening night when the Avalanche beat Yeah. They, they were off to a great start, and now they can't win a game. Now they can't beat anybody. And that's been going on for 15, 20 games now. They've been terrible. So I, I think it's a good schedule for them and um, kind of an ideal time to bring Lekkonen back shortly after right. they lose Nashushkin. They at least get one of their two best defensive forwards back in the line. And and you're right. You know, if it ends up being towards the end of February, which would be probably the reasonable expectation to get Nashushkin back, uh, then it all hits the right time, presuming they stay healthy. Well, returning to health, as we mentioned, is Bowen Byram as well. Hasn't fortunately missed as many games as Lekkonen, but he has missed the last eight with a lower body injury. He's going to go tonight as well. Here's what Bednar said about his young defenseman. Well, I'd like to see his game round out the way we've seen it in the past at times. I go back to the 2022 playoffs and how well he played, how much he played, um, the matchups he played against, played against, you know, the league's best players through that playoff run, run and and played a lot of minutes and was highly effective on both sides of the puck. And that's what he's able to do, right? And we've seen flashes of it through the first half, not to the standard I think we would have for him or he would have for him, but it's still been a pretty good start. But I think he's got more to give our team. So hopefully a little bit of time off, reset, get mentally focused again, get feeling fully healthy, and then bounce back into it. I think his game will come around. He's been working hard. I don't think you have to read too deeply between the lines to get a sense of how Bednar feels uh, regarding Byram's season to date. And uh, you'll expand on this notion, but yeah. we have suggested uh, something that neither one of us uh, would have found conceivable uh, at any time over the last two years before this one and through the first half of the season, basically with Bo Byram, that, under the right circumstances, you might be looking to trade him. Yes. Under the right circumstances, not give him away. Right. But he went from being, to me, a virtual untouchable yeah. to now being a guy you might dangle. And I think there are some factors apart from Byram's play that contribute to that. The emergence of Malinsky, Gerard, right. uh, likely to be on the being a better player tonight, a since he came out of the assistance program, mm -hmm. and with the end of the contract that is less favorable than Byram's, uh, and so that's part of the equation too. But yeah, it's expected that Byram will be on that third pair with Malinsky, who I think has been, uh, if not maybe a revelation, a very pleasant surprise, a guy that looks NHL ready. And he so, does to me. He has the right temperament. Right. Ordinarily, we've seen Malinsky skating with uh, Jack Johnson. He'll be out more on him in a, in a minute from the coach. But the idea of Byram being moved actually carries some weight because last week, uh, Elliot Friedman, the, the longtime reporter of Sportsnet in Canada, does Excellent a terrific, reporter. terrific job uh, on his podcast. Said that he, he that uh, Danny Briere, the Flyers GM, uh, talked to the Abs about a potential trade with Cutter Gauthier. So the idea of bringing in oh, a different player. Yeah, player. So you could, and he's uh, playing um, in, in Boston right now collegiately. And Boston College and BU both have great teams. Uh, the right. year as does DU. And uh, our friend, 
do you coach David Carl coached Coach A at the World Juniors. No. He was one of the major stars as the U.S. won the gold medal. He mm-hmm. fell out of favor with Philadelphia, uh, and especially with Briere and uh, Coach Tortorella, because he apparently wasn't always thrilled with the notion of playing for the Flyers. Right. Uh, and I take that as playing for Tortorella, who is uh, as old school as they come, and I think is colossally overrated as a cup uh, coach, although he did win a, a cup as a coach. Uh, I think he does more harm than good. He's one of those guys, he's good in the short run, but he wears out as well. It does, it he, does seem to be all, case, He treats yeah. everybody the same, uh, you know, whether they're quiet and they don't necessarily need to be screamed at all the time. He screams at everybody. Um, I, I think you see his team falling apart right now in Philadelphia anyway. I don't think Coach A wanted to play for him. Well, Brian. I don't think he wanted to play for him. So uh, it, they, they they traded uh, Goche recently, the Flyers did. To Anaheim. And uh, Tortorella, who wanted us to believe, and maybe it's true, much to his detriment, I would say, if it is true, that he hadn't watched a second of the World Juniors because he said, I wouldn't know. Cutter Goche, if he walked into this room right now and, and introduced himself, I, I wouldn't know who he was. I, I, I'd have to check his ID to make sure. And, and I'm like, you didn't watch a second of the World Junior Tournament because if you had, you'd know he was an outstanding player on a gold medal team. And don't don't give us this. You know, as you trade him, you say you don't. You know, if he doesn't want to be here, doesn't have to be here, and we'll trade him. And I don't know him anyway. Well, bringing that back to the Avs, Koji was dealt then after presumably the you know, the discussions with the Avs didn't. We yeah. know they didn't oh, yeah. go anywhere. Yeah. Dealt to the Ducks for Jamie Drysdale, who yes. immediately has then been who, playing who for the Flyers. Played for the Flyers, and I saw him the other day. And he didn't strike me as a very impressive player. They so got, they gave Goche right. away. And they got Drysdale and a second in the return. Now, uh, would you have traded Byram for him? No, and neither did the Avalanche. Uh, Elliot Friedman suge- uh, suggested that the Az didn't do the same thing. He said, quote, I think Philly did ask about Bo and Byram and Colorado wasn't going there. I suspect Colorado's answer was, we're not doing this one for well, one. Play from this year. It's got to be and more than Gautier for Byram. It's not going to play from year. So right. they, they need somebody to play. They're going to trade Byram. you got to trade him for a Lindholm or somebody's going to play. Right. But the idea is definitely it's it's more the idea that the Avalanche didn't necessarily shut it down and say, we don't trade. We're not, we would consider Bowen Byram. It's more, no, no. And that's, it's more that's that what according I mean. to Freeman, they told the Flyers, well, we just need a lot more than that. Well, yeah, they would. They, they would. They need an existing right. player. Right. But or if, a backup. Right. But my, no, I get that. But my point is, my point is that Bowen Byram is available. Sure. That's my point. Sure. Is, is that sure, he would be available in trade. And the Avalanche, I think, with the emergence of Malinsky, now they feel comfortable if Byram starts playing well. He shows he's healthy with the trade deadline coming up. I think that, that there's going to be some discussion about that. For the yeah, Avalanche, it, you're looking at either a second-line center, which I think becomes less of a need, or a backup goaltender, which I think is much more of a need. Uh, Byram may be the guy that ends up going. Yes, and, and there are always there are gradations in all, in all of this. Right. Uh, when, when people hear, well, the, the guy's – on the trading block. That's the favored phrase, right? right? That's not really what's that, happening. That, that's it's not quite what it is. But th- there's that area, however yeah. narrow, between being actively shopped correct, 
and being untouchable. Someone calls and says, we have an idea. We'd like Miko Ranton and the Avalanche go, they laugh and hang up the phone. Right. You know, Kale McCoy. He's untradeable, right. untouchable. Uh, but a, but a Bow and Byram, they, okay, we can discuss. It's got to be something we like, but we're not hanging up the phone on you. But last year, even last year at this time, they would have Probably was the untradeable. They would have hung think, Coming out of the 22 yeah. Stanley Cup run, and he you, was you one of the that. untouchables. First thing he that uh, the, he had said, obviously, you know, the first thing that he had said with uh, uh, that Jared Bednar said, you heard that, is that they like to see him get back to that form and hinting that great, he's not healthy, right? He hadn't been healthy. That's a problem, but his game hasn't been what it was, and they would like him to get better, and that's going to be important. Well, that's for the incentive for him. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think it is unhealthy for a player to believe that his organization and his coach. Expect more from him than he's given so far. And we talked about, you know, I'm not casting aspersions here because we don't know, but when Devon Taves came out a few weeks ago and said, you know, some guys who aren't playing real well think they're playing better than they actually are, and that has to change, and it's a bad uh, feeling uh, for us to have guys. And he didn't mention one guy, or he didn't even suggest it was just one guy. But you look at but players I thought that one are of the guys subpar seasons that yeah. was Byram. Yeah. Was Byram. And, I, you know, I, this is a team that can't afford passengers, especially core players. And now, again, the distinction between passengers and followers is, is a rather large distinction. He doesn't have to be, and I'm talking about Byram now, he doesn't have to be the best player on the no. ice, best defenseman on the ice. They got McCarr and Taves But he does have to that. be the best but, version of himself. Yes. And he hasn't been of and late. When Sam Girard, and I know it was the Ottawa game, but how many times has Sam Girard been the number one star of a game? Well, he was last week. You're right. And I know it was against Ottawa, but Bo what? Byram hasn't been a number one star of any game this year that I can remember. No, and it's it's obviously something the Avs have to keep in mind. Tonight they get an opportunity to break it down because Malinsky and Byron will play together. Jack Johnson uh, will not play tonight with a lower body injury, but uh, Jared Bednar also made it clear that if they would have needed him to play, he could play. He's been playing through it. The opportunity now is Byron. I is think back. you can tell a little bit yeah. that Jack Johnson hasn't been quite as good. You'd like to play on this last Byron. Jack Johnson's a little older. He's been playing hurt. Yeah, yeah. just just tell him. You take the night off, big fella. You know, now we've, we've got some reinforcements. It will be interesting to see how the Avalanche do tonight, how they shake that out, both with... I'm I'm intrigued more with Lekkonen because it's been so long since we've seen him, but I am really curious about how Byram and, again, Malinsky. Malinsky may be the guy that's the X factor here. I agree. Because 10 points in 21 games, he looks good. Mm-hmm. He can skate. He can do... He can does, that's as productive do or more productive than Byram uh, was. About as productive as anybody not named Taves or McCarr uh, for the Avalanche on the blue line. He's been really, really good. And he's been good on the power play. He has a good shot on the point. He has a good sense so if he's on the stick, point of when to take the shot or work it. You have... I mean, you know, you think about that. If he's going to stick on defense, you have McCarr and Taves. You have Gerard and Manson. You have, let's just say today, Byram and Malinsky. You have Jack Johnson. You have Caleb Jones. You Now I guess we're just going to call Curtis McDermott a forward where he'll probably well, that's play what in the he meantime. Yeah, he's right. not playing defense. And so, but now you're getting a bit of a logjam there in, in the defense, and you're going to have to figure that out. So some timeshares yeah. might be in the offing with Jones or Malinsky or Johnson yeah. or some combination. They, they have two untouchable defensemen. Their names are McCarr and Taves. And that may mean when that happens, you've seen it before, 
somebody sometimes gets traded. When you sometimes. Have, when you have eight, eight defensemen, that yeah. ends up being the sometimes. case. Sometimes. And you do have a need. Um, we both agreed yesterday at the tail end of the program that at the moment, the greater need might be for a backup yeah. goaltender to give Georgiev some support. I think it is. As opposed to a second-line center. But depending on the timing of Nashushkin's return, which even the Avalanche may not be sure of at this point, that could change in the next month. I mean, if it's going to be a longer period during which Nashushkin is absent, then the second-line center might be more important. Right. Lindholm might be more important. Go out and get him as opposed to a backup goaltender. But for now, I think the need for a backup goaltender is greater. Now, if it's Byram involved in that kind of deal, yes, you'd need more than a backup goaltender. Of course you would. Well, we'll see what happens tonight. The Ash take on the Capitals at home, 7 p.m., of course. And tomorrow, well, Kyle Fredrickson of the Denver Gazette will join us to take a look at how they looked and get an idea about what the Avs might do next. The Denver Nuggets were in action last night against the Pacers. Nikola Jokic doing... Um, Nikola Jokic things, triple-doubles, game-winners, you know, the, the and, usual uh, stuff. helping the officials to throw Rick Carlisle out of the game. That, too, too we'll talk all about he it. did everything. Next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Gotta go. Give it to Yoke. Jokic, gonna hoist. Long range. Good again! Good again! Nikola Jokic! Chris Marlowe from Altitude TV on the call. Just your casual top of the arc three with four seconds left by your six foot 11 center you know boy when it matters <laughs> i know nobody makes it every time in those clutch situations five minutes or less remaining um, five points or less separation between two teams i know everybody misses and Jokic misses too occasionally but boy it seems like he makes far more than he misses, just like it did with Jordan. And Jordan would say, actually, the truth is I missed more than I If you look at the stats, right? If you really look at it. I love that point because there are guys in the league, when you get to be the all-time greats, they sort of get that rep, and Jokic has that rep now. It it feels like if it's late in the game, he will sink it. I think last, from improbable right, places, especially I think of the the, the three that he took over Anthony Davis in the playoffs, <laughs> exactly. where even Anthony Davis just kind of walked. Well, that back was the end the, of the third quarter, right? Third yeah. quarter, but Dave, but Davis at that point, and yeah, we know they went like, to sleep late. Davis had a look like, I, "How am I supposed to stop this? I yeah. can't do anything yeah, can't, about can't this." It. And in, in this case, Jokic just sort of casually, just okay. Even a guy closed in on him, and yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. He, that's the nice thing about being six eleven. Just go ahead and take your shot, Jokic. 31 points, 13 boards, 10 assists, plus nine on the night, only one turnover. 13 for 19 shooting is his ridiculous field goal percentage continues. And three for four from behind the arc. Again, a little weird that the Nuggets only took 17 free throws. Jamal Murray had six of those. Nobody else had any more than three. 
Jokic went two yeah, for two. Yeah, it was a big fouling game. Uh, Indiana had 21. And it was, a bit, of a, it was a bit of a jump shooting game. So there's yeah, it was not a, a jump lot shooting of, game. Not a lot it was of a jump uh, shooting game. physicality. And, and, and teams known for offense who didn't necessarily play great offense last night, although I'll tell you how good these teams are offensively. Neither one peaked out offensively. I mean, Murray and Jokic were great. Nobody else really scored big. Nobody else had as many as 15 points. The Nuggets still shot 44 for 88 on the field, 50%. Uh, the three-point shooting was not great, 11 for no. 33. Foul shooting was very good by Nuggets. Yeah, was certainly excellent. 15 for 17. And uh, they had a big edge on the boards, 11 offensive rebounds to seven. Um, but uh, assisted turnovers, Indiana 24-10, Denver 22-10. Not much to choose between the two teams last night except the Nuggets, one with two guys scoring big. Not the first time that's happened on this trip. It more or less happened in Boston the same way. Uh, even as Aaron Gordon, I thought, played as good a game as I've ever seen a starter play who played more than 40 minutes and only scored two points. Right, right. I, imagine that. How many times do you see any starter anywhere play more than 40 minutes and score two points? Well, I Rodman, think of Rodman. Rodman probably could do it uh, and did it a number of times, but that's that's who Aaron Gordon is. And last night, Garrett, Aaron Gordon and, and Porter, for that matter, neither one scored in double figures. Uh, Gordon was plus five and Porter was plus seven because they were sharing the court with Jokic and Murray. Uh, I thought KCP had a nice game, 14 points, five rebounds, an assist, a steal, only one turnover. He was plus seven in 35 minutes. Again, all the starters played upwards of 30 minutes uh, last night. I thought it was a decent night on the bench, although the plus-minus numbers weren't uh, weren't great. Indiana's a deep team. They are really deep. Even without Halliburton. Really deep. They're a they're a pretty good team, and the Nuggets are fortunate that uh, he had a bad time. And McConnell, and, and like, yeah, geez. oh, it's a good bench. They can send Absolutely. a whole second line. Absolutely, you. yeah. So you know, and yeah, you think I know you can't play it this way because if Heald had scored ten points instead of three, they would have had seven more points and they would have won the game. I, I know it doesn't really work that way, but the, the Nuggets are one of the few teams, and this is how smart a team they are and how well coached they are who can win with two guys scoring. And they've won more than once on this road mm-hmm. trip, as I say. They beat Boston, first team to beat Boston in Boston this year, with two guys scoring, I mean, basically. Think about that. You, you and, and not much of anything points. else. And you know why they're able to do that? They're able to do it because everybody else understands how to chip in around all that scoring that Jokic and Murray. Yeah, it's, it's, Jokic's unselfishness has extended now to the team. Uh, that's just the way it works. And, and, and that's part of... To his credit, that's where Calvin Booth's design really factored in over the last couple of seasons because Booth realized that that's what we have to do. I mean, if you don't have a role around Nikola Jokic, we don't need you. We, we have this guy. Uh, he's an all-timer in his prime. And you have to be able to function in a manner that functions with him. Jamal Murray, obviously, the, the two of a great two-man game. Murray was good last night, 31 points, obviously, 8.7 assists. Uh, Look at the shooting percentages for Jokic and Murray combined. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's all you Four, need yeah. to know. 20, it was 24 for 43. <laughs> I think you'll take that one. Yeah, it's better than 50% for the year. For Look two at guys them on threes. To, to put together Look at yeah, them on threes. Uh, six, for th- six for 13. It's almost 50%. At, on at, a night when the Nuggets went 11 for 33 And overall. they walked away with 62 points between the two of them as well. Jamal Murray 
uh, was asked a little bit. This was Nikola Jokic's, by the way, 13th triple-double of the year. And, of course, he could have had more of them as well. And how many games did they play? Off. Out of the, he has 13 triple-doubles out of 45, 45 games. Basically one every three. And has he played in 45? Didn't he, didn't he miss one or two? He's missed a couple. Yeah. yeah. The, the, as we mentioned that uh, so on Monday. So it's almost a third of the time nugget, that he gets a triple-double. Only one nugget has started. Every game. And that was Porter. And it's Michael Porter Jr. So uh, Jamal Murray was asked after the game a little bit about his uh, superstar teammate. He has a triple-double now against every team in the NBA but the Washington Wizards. He hadn't gotten one against Indiana. This was his first time. What does that say about how dominant he's been? Uh, It's just an everyday thing for him, you know. Um, You play through him so much, and he just makes the right read constantly every game. So, um, you know, I think the consistency, it's less about, you know, the numbers for me. You know, know, the consistency of – how much attention he draws and the plays that he makes. I think that's what stands out most to me. Um, I think that's what people don't give him enough credit for, or even if he has a bad game or two, it's like, so what? You know, he does such an amazing job each and, each and every night, um, just controlling the pace of the game or, or, or making big plays. So, um, yeah, man, he's he's the greatest in the game. Jamal Murray talking to, of course, Kitty Wingy on Altitude TV after the game. Consider this, Sandy. Nikola Jokic is fourth all-time in, in triple-doubles. Uh, the next man up, it's, it's ridiculous when you're at this point. The next man up is 20 away. It's Magic Johnson, okay? I mean, that that's the next guy on the list. Talked about having triple doubles against every team but Washington. There's 30 teams in the NBA, right? Do you know how many players have 29 career triple doubles, no matter who they are against? In total, 19. Yeah. 19. Well, in the history of the NBA, since, have more, uh, and he has 29 triple-doubles against 29 separate teams. Since the Nuggets played Washington the other day, I'll remind you of his line, the only team that right. doesn't have a triple-double mm-hmm. against. I know you 42 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. In other words, if he really wanted one, on. if he cared, he could have gotten If it. he cared and he doesn't, and he doesn't. about triple-doubles, you that's, know, that's the thing. He's fourth you, all time. You could have He's had one or two more Magic assists. Johnson, and he doesn't Instead care. of 42 points, you'd have 38. You'd have two more assists. Yeah. I, I legitimately fully believe Nikola Jokic when he indicates he multiple times care. that during the game is going on, he has no idea what his stats are. Now, you know who would check He doesn't stats? look up. He doesn't care. One of the guys on that list, I, I think, right? Russell, Will. Russell Westbrook, the guy who all time, and he certainly would. Uh, Will, well, Chamberlain, Will, Will Chamberlain is seventh. Is seventh. Seventh okay. all time. He's not, he's not top. But Wilt cared deeply about scoring, rebounding, and assist numbers. And if he thought, because he, in his own mind, would count his rebounds, mm-hmm. especially. Well, if he thought he was 30. getting shortchanged on rebounds, he would let the score know about it in no uncertain terms. I don't think Jokic knows what he has. I don't even think he looks up during the game. I, I mean, it, it, there's no indication he looks up to anything except the score of the two teams and the time on the clock. I don't think he looks. I don't think he cares. Maybe his family. He kind of ends up, yeah, and his family. That's right. When his family's there, he might look up there. But otherwise, he's he's not worried about he that. Care. The man is focused on the game, so focused that he urged Michael Malone to challenge not one but two calls in both of those cases. And he was right. Uh, he was right. Malone said after the game, we've been together for nine, nine years. And he's proven to be very trustworthy. I think we've won five challenges in a row, yeah. and those can be game-changing type plays, and I thought that late one was. So it works yeah, out sure. in our favor. We've talked about Jokic sort of being a coach 
on the floor and the fact that Malone, to his extraordinary credit, even during the playoffs at times, basically just hands the whiteboard to Jokic and lets him run the huddle. Yeah. And that, to, to me, speaks volumes about the kind of coach that Michael Malone has become. But this is this has also become, and it's interesting because they worked on each other. You you have the relationship between Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, which is phenomenal. Uh, you will hear other players say that even Jamal Murray has never been an all-star. That's the best two-man game in the NBA. And, and it, I don't know if that many people even dispute it. And, you know, maybe maybe it, it's, it, it might be changing a little, little bit work in, in progress. a place like Oklahoma City yep. with Gilgis Alexander. And, and certainly and either uh, the Gonzaga kid Holmgren uh, or uh, Santa Clara star and the older brother of Cody Williams, Jalen Williams. Right, right. And, and of course, as the season goes Who along. Who had the game-winning shot last night. There is an opportunity, Oklahoma I suppose, City. with uh, Doc Rivers taking over Milwaukee that maybe – Damian Lillard and, and, yeah. and Gian- Giannis and will from, make it. But. From all outward appearances, they've been fine, but they just fired their coach. So obviously the organization felt that even at 30 and 13, the coach wasn't getting the most out of those two, if not individually, and at least as a tandem, wasn't getting the most out of them. So now Doc Rivers is going to get a shot. Um, and we were talking before the show, uh, my initial reaction when I heard uh, Griffin was fired, I wasn't shocked because I'd heard some rumblings that he wasn't getting along with Giannis anyway, and probably not Lillard since he fired Lillard's uh, old coach in Portland, uh, Terry Stotts, forced him out. Uh, Stotts had come on as an assistant for the rookie coach, and he the rookie coach basically ran him off. Um, but I, I had even hearing the rumblings, I, my initial reaction was like, you're 30 and 13, what are they doing? Um but then you think back, not all that long ago, about eight years ago, when in midseason, David Blatt, coaching the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James, had a record of 30 and 11, and he got fired. Tyron Lue came in and led him to a championship, even though his winning percentage was not quite as good as Blatt's had been during the regular season anyway. But in the playoffs, they beat a 73-win team for the NBA title. So maybe it'll work here with Rivers, who has already won a title, though it was many years ago. It's kind of the Sean Payton syndrome uh, that uh, winning a Super Bowl in 2009 is somehow relevant uh, in 2023, just as winning an NBA championship in 2008, was it, with Boston? I think that's right. Uh, is relevant in 2024. Well, you know what it does? Do maybe it is, maybe it, is. It, it, it gets him paid, and uh, that's, that works out for him. Well, if you're trying to sell your home, well, you want, he's leaving TV. Yeah, you want to get paid, too. And, and I can help you with that because the Colorado home market's been crazy for years. You can fix it. You can make it simple. Talk to my friends Dave and Mark at Key Real Estate Group's Colorado Luxury Home Team. And when I say Colorado Luxury Home Team, what I mean is you're not talking about luxury homes, although they can certainly do that for you, but it really is about that high-end luxury service they provide, whether you're buying or selling. You need experts that know Colorado's market, know how to ride those highs and lows, and that means you need a couple of things. You need experience, and you need stability. Well, that's David Mark and the Key Real Estate Group. Privately held company, 25 years, in the same offices. You know where you'll find them. 
But when you're selling your home, remember, inventory is still low around the Denver metro area. So homes that are priced right are still selling fast. So let Dave and Mark give you a free valuation. And even though the idea at times right is you don't want to put your home up for sale in, in the cold in the winter months because you don't get as many buyers. Well, that may be true, but the buyers in the winter months tend to be more serious. They're looking to buy now. So there's no reason for you to wait. Let Dave and Mark represent you to make sure you're getting everything you deserve. Call Dave and Mark at the Key Real Estate Group at 720-900-LIST. That's 720-900-LIST or visit them today at keyrealestategroup.com. The Nuggets will take on the Knicks tomorrow. We'll see how they do. Okay, last year for the bench, Bruce Brown was invaluable. Hmm. They'd probably love to have him back. Well, what if the Nuggets and Bruce Brown could get back together? There is a possibility. Timing might be a little funny, though. I'll explain next on My Life Sports. The only person who ever got you will screw that and screw you. You will never have to head the way you know that I do. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The Denver Nuggets bench, Sandy, is uh, slowly but surely rounding into form. And you've brought it up multiple times on this program how, quite frankly, when you look at the all-important thing, when you, when you look at the Denver Nuggets bench, and I talked about it in the last segment of how everything has to revolve around Nikola Jokic, there really is one stat that matters about Denver's bench. That's not how they have any score or how they even compare to the other benches. It is basically the points per 100 minutes or 100 possessions, pardon me, that they lose. Yep. How much it drops off when Jokic is off the floor. To, to my mind for the Denver Nuggets, that is the only stat I care about. You understand when you lose the best player in the world, he's going to sit down and take a couple breaks. You're going to lose points. You're going to bleed out them. some points. That's the way it will work. But, but the, no one it can't be in the league uh, represents uh, such a difference in a team's play when he is on the floor versus when he's on the bench. As you bench. can imagine, because uh, his Jokic passing ability one. makes everyone yeah. better with more open yeah. shots. Everybody, even bench players playing with the Jokic. Right, they play better. So uh, the, the Nuggets bench is getting it is getting better. It is improving. And if they can get Julian Strother back to health soon, that would certainly help. But, of course, we think about the impact that Bruce Brown had, and it built up over the course of the season. Well, Bruce Brown was traded of late with a, a, in sort of a salary move for Pascal Siakam, who the Nuggets got to see last night in Indiana. Brown's contract is, as we remember, after he left the Nuggets as a free agent, rather sizable. $22 million this year, $23 million next year. Now, Brown, who had never made more than six plus million in his career. That was a number you had. You just have to take that money when it's there. But part of that deal is it's a club option for next year. So Toronto traded him. Toronto moved on from Siakam. Presumably they added Bruce Brown. They like Bruce Brown fine, but they will probably attempt to flip him. Now with the CBA rules, it's got to be kind of a one for one trade. Yes, that's right. They can't package at 22 million. That's not a number that is all that unusual. There are a lot of guys with the, that are either uh, it's, it's funny when you now look at Michael Porter Jr.'s contract on the Nuggets and when he got it and everyone's like oh my gosh what are the Nuggets doing and now all of a sudden you look at what contracts are for sixth and seventh guys and you're like hmm that might not have been a bad deal guys as like Bruce thought. Brown right guys like Bruce Brown making 22 to yeah. 23 million 
And so Achimura is not making 22. No, but he's making, but he's making, he's making almost 17, 16, 17. Right. And that, that looks to me as one of the kind of trades that could yeah. happen. I know the Lakers are, are desperate to hang in there somehow. And maybe uh, the guy that would fit would be a Hachimura, but one way or another, it's kind of funny. If you're a Nuggets fan, you kind of hope a trade for Bruce Brown doesn't materialize because Masai Ujiri over there is, is cutting costs and, Part of the reason you trade for a Bruce Brown is he has a club option. You can just decline it, and his entire salary rolls off your books. So now you've cleared out 20-plus million dollars in your trade, and you've got Indiana to take on Siakam. Now, wherever Brown is traded, it's a club option deal, so any club could let him go. Maybe the Lakers trying to hold him for one more year will accept the club option, and Bruce Brown sticks around. The Nuggets would more than likely love to get Bruce Brown back. Chris Hayes, uh, one of the longtime reporters back East, reported, a couple of, of days ago, quote, I was told the Denver Nuggets would love to have Bruce Brown back, to which I think we would probably, yeah, of course. <laughs> but Haynes goes on to say, but again, they're in a similar situation like Milwaukee where they simply don't have the picks to try to do that. But Bruce Brown knows how they feel. That's something to keep an eye on down the road. Right now, the reporters, the reports out there, Mark Stein, of course, the great long NBA reporter said that, that uh, Brown is on the market, obviously, but they want a future first round pick and a quality player. That's what they would like to get. Now, you have to make a one-for-one one player, and then they want a first on top of that because if you're Maasai, you're trying to clear salary. So what do you do? In the end, you want to move on from Siakam. You've cleared the salary, but you also got to get a pick back. You can't just have nothing. Well, of course. So you either have to have a player you like building around or or the pick. So right. that's where they're looking at. The interesting thing, though, because they really the only tradable player the Nuggets have is Zeke Naji. That's not going to get it done. Well, the Raptors. Well, can't they it, deal Chanchar? But he's injured. Well, yeah. no, I, I I know, but I he couldn't be. There, there, I dealt. think there's some rules about. Well, I, I, there are some weird rules about that. But even he doesn't make any enough to make a difference. You have to get those salaries to match at least close to it because right. both Toronto and Denver are. Oh, he makes two points above the salary cap, right? So Denver can't acquire <clears throat> Bruce Brown in trade now. The idea that you've, you've heard occasionally. About, about the only thing Nuggets can do is look at the buyout market, right? Right. Realistically, they can just look at the buyout market, and Bruce Brown is not going to get bought out. Someone's oh, going to no, acquire no, him for this no, year. True. But it is something to keep an eye on because Brown has never had a better situation. The Nuggets love him. Uh, Brown loved his role here and likes Colorado a lot. And if he's not going to get another $20-plus million deal, which I think because of the fact that has already traded it because of it. They figured, look, we like him a lot. He's a good player. We get that that's what the going rate is, I guess. But Bruce Brown might not be the kind of player for production as a starter at $22 right. million, which right. price, Once you break that 20 number, you kind of have to start. And so it would not shock me if Brown got dealt, the club option was not accepted, and he becomes a free agent again. There you could talk about a fit. And it reminds me a little bit at the beginning of the year when Calvin Booth had his long uh, interview, which was some bit good and bad. Michael Porter Jr. got a pretty rough As he should go have. of that yeah. one. Um, he should have said and reacted as, accordingly. As, yes, yeah. Calvin as Booth had have. a kind of a bumpy interview, and Michael yeah. Porter Jr. was well within his rights to complain about it. But but in that, Booth had a very interesting quote. It's like, we're looking to win three or four titles, but they might not all be in a row. Well, and when yeah. I think about... <laughs> I, a, and that, I thought it was an interesting idea because you have to maximize it. The salary cap is what it is. That kind of situation could materialize. The Nuggets could make a run, maybe not win the title, be, be obviously close, but then they could, maybe in the offseason, bring Bruce Brown back 
And now they're looking at it saying, yeah, see, maybe we can win two in three years or something like that. I think Booth understands from the financial standpoint, that's the way you have to continue to run a team. You don't really look at a, a dynasty as we have to win X number in a row. You look at it as do you dominate no, an nobody, era of Nobody basketball. thinks about, heck, two in a row is almost implausible. Uh, three in a row is inconceivable. Uh, yeah, a dynasty today is three out of five. Oh, yeah. I think would qualify kind of what Golden State did over right. a period of years, even tacking on an additional one, uh, a fourth in 2022. Yeah, I, I agree that's, with that That's as well. a dynasty. And what was that, four and seven years, four mm-hmm. and eight? Right. It, but but that era has been kind of the Warriors era, right? Yeah. Because even, a, even right. when they didn't win, right. they're always they're always a threat. They, they were in the finals and right. lost to Cleveland and to Toronto. And, so and the Nuggets could go like years that. In the now, right now, I mean... The ESPN has power rankings come out. Boston was number one. Denver was number two. They've played. Well, Denver beat them. They're the two best teams, and, right? And Denver won in Boston, the only team that's done that. And on and they didn't have Strother the, in that game. The plus minus. still a positives that can, the, the Nuggets can still get better on the, the bench. The Nuggets were better than the Celtics on Friday night. And, yeah, I, I mean, I'm watching the game. Uh, the announcer's doing the game. You're not shocked that the Nuggets won. Uh, you're not. You're not. It was a, it was a tight game. Uh, it looked like Boston would outlast them in in the final minutes. That Murray and Jokic having great nights would not be quite enough, and it turned out that it kind of sort of was. And Boston took some bad shots, and uh, you know you're allowed to lose a home game every now and then. But Boston is plus thirteen, Denver is plus ten, and everybody else is plus nine or worse. And you have twenty out of thirty teams in the NBA between plus seven. That's Milwaukee, just fired its coach. And Toronto at minus six, who uh, got rid of Nick Nurse right. at the end of last year. So, I, I mean, what's the, the It's not gargantuan. You know who the five best teams are in whatever order you place them Boston, Denver, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, the Knicks. They're the five best teams. Their coaches aren't going anywhere. They're and all and secure. Of course, again, They're that's, all that's the Nuggets' next opponent tomorrow night, the Knicks. Right. And you know the five bad teams are Portland, Charlotte, uh, the feudal five, Portland, Charlotte, San Antonio, Washington, and Detroit. You should never, if you're a top five team or even a plus team of any kind, you should never anywhere, anytime lose to Portland, Charlotte, San Antonio, Washington, or Detroit. That's why uh, Finch went off in Minnesota the other night when they blew a game to Charlotte that they right. led by 18 points. I mean, I'm higher on the Bucks and the Sixers than than you are. I, I'd put them both in the mix, but I don't. I don't think they're better than the other five though. Right now, I'm talking about right now and how they're playing. I think Philadelphia has the best player in the league right now. And I mean, the guy scored 70 no, he's, the he's other night. And they won a game. He's, he's, he's amazing. He scored 40 plus against Jokic. Last week in Philadelphia, beat the Nuggets, something that Boston couldn't do on right. its home court. Uh, I, I agree. I'm not saying there's a big difference, but I think we know the five teams that are playing the best, that are, that are playing, playing the, the best, best right all right. year. And, uh, you know, Minnesota's kind of leveled off recently, but Boston and Denver one and two. Nobody would dispute that. Oklahoma City's got to be one of the top five. Yeah, they've been consistent all year long. Sure. And, and Minnesota's been first place until uh, right. Oklahoma City overtook them the other night. Well, Minnesota blew that game to Charlotte in a game that Minnesota never should have lost. And then you got Milwaukee, and Milwaukee's great unless you care about defense. 
And you know in the playoffs they won't beat anybody. The Playing defense the way uh, they play defense now. In the West, Timberwolves, Nuggets, and Thunder all separated just by percentage points. They're technically considered to be tied because of the way the schedules break out. The Thunder and Timberwolves both have relatively easy games. Timberwolves tonight on the road against the Wizards. Uh, the Thunder on the road against the Spurs. Presumably both of them will win, and then the Nuggets will take on the Knicks tomorrow. I want to remind you over at Superbook, we're changing the game. Win some money this season with Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling, with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now, when you use the promo code Mile High, you score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. That means win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code Mile High. So download the Superbook Sports app, enter that promo code Mile High, and you'll get $250. Bucks courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Big news, of course, in Colorado sports yesterday when Todd Helton of the Colorado Rockies elected to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, who better to talk about it than the man who's called a great many of those ball games? The one and only Drew Goodman joins us next on My Life Sports. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.